Welcome to BB&B Podcast. My name is Nick Van Horn, and as you can tell, I am sick because I actually sound like a man instead of a 13-year-old boy. So I just wanted to introduce you to our podcast this week. It's just me and Mark. It's kind of our preliminary, so I don't want to say it's episode one, but we talk about cool things about what it means to be an old man, uh, the theological implications of Stranger Things, and uh, a really cool Belgian beer that Mark brought. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you stick around. It's like Calvinist pickup line. It's like, is it, is it like, I already know you're going to date me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> that, exactly. It's like, it's like, baby, don't you know you're my destiny? Really you're my predestiny. Oh my God. I brought you flowers. I hope you like tulips. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's too funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you know you're full of total depravity? <laughs> Do you know how much you suck? <laughs> oh my gosh. What's my idea of a perfect date? October 31st, 1517. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I love making fun of Calvinists yeah. so much. Hold on. I, fine. I sent it to Sarah on Facebook. There were a couple <laughs> of really good. That's too good. That's too good. Um, all right. So we're here. Um, my name's Nick. That's Mark. Yo. We're missing our third amigo, James, because he's probably sleeping or something, getting ready for his youth trip. Yeah. Um, I'm a youth minister. I'm an Episcopalian. Mark is an organist and an Episcopalian. James is a priest and an Episcopalian. So we have that in common. Yes. At least. That's really about it. We have nothing else in common. Um, so this is just a test. This isn't the full thing because we're missing um, a third, but we just figured we wanted to get together and share some of the stuff. So what was I saying? Oh, so I did. I did. Um, it's one of my youth ministry stories that people you know probably shouldn't know, but... Um, I'm there's a, a statu- former youth minister. There's, yeah. there's a statute of limitations on things, yeah. I promise. So I, um, I was, uh, we were on a mission trip, okay, um, back when I didn't know how to do youth ministry because I did a mission trip. And um, they, were, they were playing, some, some of the girls were playing their dance music or whatever, and I was dancing like, I was like on a horse, and I was shaking my hands like this. And, the, and one of the girls go, what are you doing? And I go, I have dirty hands and I'm riding a pony. Uh-huh. And I'm doing this hand. And I'm just going like this. Nothing dirty at all. I'm just saying I have dirty yeah. hands and I'm riding a pony. Like, that sounds like an awesome song. Yeah. And I'm like, it does sound like an awesome dirty song. Hands so what I did was I recorded on, it was right when I first got my first Mac and GarageBand was on it and everything. So I started sampling things. And um, I did a song called Dirty Hands Riding a Pony. And it sounds like the... Um, it's like a German 80s song, you know? You remember nice. the, the skit on Saturday Night Live where it was Mike Myers going, Dieter? Dieter's Dance Party. Dieter's Dance Party. Would you party. like to see my yes. monkey? Yes. So that's... <laughs> it's rockets. So, so it's rockets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was like the style I was going for. Nice. And it just has like a... Yeah. And I'm just like, I have dirty hands. And I'm riding a pony. And that's all it is. And it's funny is my oldest, who's seven now, she was just a baby. And in the middle of it, she like made this like Yelp and so I sampled it in it and I mean and it's I have to play I gotta find it and play it for well, you but you it sounds so bad but it's so funny and people are like what does that song really mean and I'm like it's about riding a pony and you yeah. have dirty hands and I clear I totally unpack that in the song like I'm yeah. like it means nothing else 
that I'm riding a pony. You were just saying a couple of minutes ago how we need a theme intro song yes. for the podcast. Yes. I think we have just identified. You know, I do. Our I podcast do, intro. I could song. I could do like samples of it. I'll have to play it for you later. I'm, as a matter of fact, the last podcast I did, the youth ministry one that yeah. we did, yeah. I might have used a part of that, but no lyrics because it would have been totally inappropriate. You know, it's like, hey, welcome to youth ministry podcast. I have dirty hands writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. So we're trying to figure out a name for our podcast. So hopefully we'll figure it out by the time we get it up. But I figure dirty hand pony ride. We can, oh my god, that sounds so bad. <laughs> dirty, dirty hand circuit riders. <laughs> <laughs> I have dirty hands and a three-point charge. That sounds so, so, so lame. Um, so, so mine was. I keep, uh, you know what was funny well. is. So I thought of. I have to pull it up. But um, so you know we were talking about thinking about what to um, what to name it. And literally in the middle of the night, I woke up and it just popped in my head that how about. Beer, Bart, and Batman. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like because those perfect. are like the three things we're yeah. going to talk about is like our theology, our church experience, and making fun of it and laughing at it, things right. like that. And then we're going to have like a beer break, which we'll do pretty soon, probably sooner than later. And um, and uh, and then um, uh, Batman because right. I love pop culture yeah. and you yeah. guys do, and, and exactly. I'm the biggest nerd in the world. Matter of fact, we're surrounded by a whole bunch of action figures right now in my basement. So. Um, so you guys started sending me, and this is probably where I got the idea of us doing a podcast because we have the weirdest, uh, conversations, Our but non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it started with the Friday one where you texted me and said Lebowski, Lager and Luther. Yeah. Which was really good. And then I put, uh, oh no, it must've been earlier, but then I put Schleiermacher, Schlitz and Shazam. Exactly. Oh We've my gosh. Alderaan, Ale and Augu- you know, Augustine, Augustine or Aquinas. Yeah. Aquinas would be good, yeah. Hop, yeah, yeah. hops, and harawas. Yoda, yoder, and Yo- and yeast or yogurt. Or yes, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Yoda, yeah. yogurt, and uh, Jaeger, and yeah, I can't even say it. So obviously, we're not gonna do that one. Um, <laughs> Guinness, Gandalf, and Godomer. That'd be pretty oh handy talking about Godomer on this it thing. Would, Godomer, yeah. We, oh, I do see that. Yeah, Bilbo, Bonhoeffer, and Bourbon. Yeah, that was good. The Demogorgon, Dortmunder, and the Deuteronomus. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, Stephen so... Chapman is our guest biblical scholar on. The oh, podcast. that's see, that's just too academic. <laughs> that's like another level of nerdism. Is the well Demogorgon, as is Dortmunder for that matter. Deuteronomus, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's too funny. And you got to understand. I mean, as much as we all love Stranger Things, Weitz and um, Wainwright and Wonder Woman. Oh, that is Or Weitz and Wainwright and Willow. And Willow. <laughs> <laughs> How about Willowman and Wonder Woman? Just name it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're thinking about that. We'll probably have an idea by the time this is up. We'll have a name, and you'll be like listening to this if you are, and you'll be like, um, you have a name while you're talking about it. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the I'm hope. I'm sure the more plan. of these are going to come. Yeah. yeah. So the format is we're just going to talk about like things that happened this week uh, that we thought was a, of importance. We might talk about politics a little bit. I don't think we'll get too political. Um, we'll, probably more tongue-in-cheek. And um, I got plenty of nerd news that I read every day. I probably do that more than I actually work in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to text my boss and tell him what's going on in the world of, of geekdom. And um, it's a great boss. Yeah, exactly. And we'll we'll have him on here too. And and then we'll have a we'll have a, like a beer of the week or or a drink of the week, if you will. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and then we'll we'll kind of cap off with what's going on in our lives and and, and things like that. Working at churches because that's what we do. We all work in churches. And you know we've got about eighteen months that we could even have for the next eighteen months. We could have a recurring feature, the most ridiculous Snoke theory of the day. <laughs> Snoke theory. That's good. If anybody blogs yeah. those and everything, we can yeah. put them up there. That would be really, there really good. There are some really ridiculous. I was just looking at some earlier. 
really? who is Snoke. And there are wow. some weird, weird stuff that people come up with. Let me change this real quick. See if that sounds better. Says maybe not. Maybe that does. It's more conversational that way. These aren't the droids. Oh yeah, okay. You sound way better yeah. that way. Uh-huh. I had it set for when James was here, so I have it set for two people now. Right. Um, yeah, Snoke. I was I was thinking you're going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to talk about Nick's ordination process. Like I don't want to give <laughs> updates on that. Like who did you talk to? Another person? Would you say the same thing I said to the last eight people? That's right. As a matter of fact, I had to meet with somebody in Charlotte this morning. I had to drive uh-huh. all the way out there and talk to somebody. Um, was it another you know, five minute conversation? <laughs> no, it was it was fairly long. Um, he 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 was a really nice guy. He's a psychiatrist, so he had like that hat on, even though he wasn't like the diocesan psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, so that was really it. So I he wanted me to unpack certain things to kind of get that, and yeah, I mean, it was all right. Have you ever seen right. What About Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do your What About Bob routine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're the one showing me all the dirty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I totally should bring that up. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. So I, I am going to get on the internet. Oh, I got to share this. So yes, I know you're seeing that picture. So yeah. I, fa- I found this thing. So I'm going to a wedding in a couple weeks um, because when you're part of a church community, you go to a ton of weddings. And um, yeah, so my this is the first wedding my wife and I have been to in forever. And so she's going all out. She's getting a new dress. She's getting new shoes. And it, it's a lot of it has to do with because she runs six miles a day. She's lost like 20 pounds. She looks fantastic. But um, I'm like, okay, I want to get a new suit, and I want to get like a new bow tie novelty or whatever. So I found these things are woodenbowties.com, wooden. and they're, they're wooden, and you can get like different like stains of, of bow ties. So they're not real ties. They're not. You don't tie yeah. them. I know. That's the problem. Like, you can't tie wood. But. But they're really cool. And, like, you can even get, like, a wooden lapel flower. Oh. Isn't that kind of cool? So that's why that popped up. But I'm like, I'm debating, but it's not cheap. No. Oh, no, it is yeah. not. So, and then I was looking, of course, at tiebar.com, too. There, so. I can send you, um, I have a very important question to ask you. Yeah. Do you tie your own bow ties? I do, of course. Well, then, you need to look up. What did you bring me? All one word. Okay. I have bought some, a uh, couple of bow ties from them. Okay. A friend of mine, when we lived in Virginia, put me onto these people. And you go to the website, and it's just pages and pages and pages of designs. Um, you could probably find, you know, pick your character on a shelf in here. That's awesome. They will probably have a Black Widow bow tie. I can't guarantee it, but it's worth looking. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They, um, the wooden ones, they'll like they'll take any design you want and they'll etch it on there, which I thought was cool. Nice. They also that's have nice. like uh, skylines of uh-huh. cities. Yeah, and I was like, okay, you know, which ones do they have? I thought Chicago because that's where I'm from. Right. Um, and they, I mean, they have like they have Charlotte, they have Raleigh, like they had tons, which was really kind of cool. That's cool. You know, make it, but you're that's right, cool. you don't tie it. But it's you know, it's it's definitely a uh, you know, conversation. Oh, I noticed you're wearing a wooden tie. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I've known how to, I knew how to tie a bow tie before bow ties got big. Not that I yeah. wore one. I'm not trying right. to be all hipster about it. But like my I, my grandfather was a huge part of my childhood, and yeah. of course he was part of that generation. And so like he gave me one of his old ones, which was nice. the ugliest flipping bow tie oh, in the world. Of I would it was never wear it. About that. It big was. It was. Yeah. yeah it, it was like black and white. It looked like something you'd wear in prison. <laughs> but he's like, you need to learn how to tie this, and Excellent. I'll show you. Excellent. And you're just going to do it because Excellent. that's just yeah. that was this yeah. teaching style. Um, and so I did. I always knew how to, you know, tie a bow tie, and then it started getting big again. Right. And it was funny because I was working at a rural church, and of course, 
everything you do that's up to date they think is weird and they make fun of. Right. And then about six months down the road, they start doing it, which is yeah. kind of rural Christian culture anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember wearing a bow tie for the first Sunday or whatever, and uh, they're all like calling me Jimmy Olsen and stuff like that and making mm-hmm. fun of it. And now everybody wears them all the time, so yeah. they can kiss it. I, I was a latecomer. I started an undergraduate. Ooh. Part of my ongoing... Um, course in, in being a, a, a gentleman of the world. I said, well, I've got a little tie, a bow tie. Of the world. So, senior in college. Um, but likewise, you know, I'm old enough. That was also before it, you know, yeah, was yeah, ahead yeah. of the curve. That's true, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, important, important. Oh, things. yeah, but going to divinity school, they all flipping wore bow ties <laughs> they did. there. And well, sm- including the faculty. Pipes. Well, yeah. the faculty did, but they were all 60-year-old men. I've right. never seen so many 23-year-old guys that wanted to be an old man. Well, I was one of those. Like, oh, I yeah. was too. I'm not making fun of like, like, like those people. I'm right. saying I was yeah. too, man. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. invested in that. Um, right. But I did. I, I, um, I had. When we talked a couple weeks ago. I had my grandfather's um, pipe collection. Yes. I mean, he even had like like fancy stands made for him. And oh everything. yeah. Nice. And so my wife got me a whole bunch of tobacco and a, and a pipe lighter and and things like that. And so I would smoke a pipe whenever I mowed the lawn. And I had like one of those little like. Um, uh, uh, summer fedoras. Mm. So I did. I would just mow the lawn with a pipe and a fedora. Perfect. I looked really weird. I actually should have <laughs> wore knee-high black socks, you but I never had a chance yes. to do that. With shorts, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of it, when we lived around the corner uh-huh. up until a few a couple months ago, on our little cul-de-sac road, there was a guy at the top of the hill that I just noticed casually, oh, he's out mowing the grass, he's got a cigar. And I so I've started oh, yeah. noticing over and over again, this was his thing. Every time he mowed the grass, so he got the stogie sitting there. Well, one morning I had to get up early and, you know, head out for something. I was going somewhere and it was about seven o'clock, seven thirty in the morning when the, you know, back in June, when we first started getting those really hot days, here's Mr. Neighbor Man, 7 a.m. mowing the grass, 7 a.m. cigar. Wow. Going strong. Wow. That's commitment. That's commitment. I don't know if that's alarming or the coolest thing <laughs> yeah, I'm not ever. sure that could tip either way off yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when my grandfather used to call women dames. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's alarming or the coolest thing. I, right. I'm not quite sure. Right. It's cool from him, but I would never do it. because my Was he wearing wife. a zoot suit at the time? <laughs> oh, my God, no, but he probably still had it. <laughs> Dear Lord. He had everything. Uh, oh my gosh! So yeah, I just I used to love smoking cigars. The problem mm-hmm. was it just smells everything up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to a concert one time, and we were and if, this was back when you could smoke indoors and people are smoking cigarettes and stuff like that. And I smoked right. a cigar and yeah. everybody looked at me like, "Who the hell are you You're doing right. this what right you, now?" And you're like, like, I'm really? smoking actual tobacco, yeah. unlike you fiends. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. And it actually smells okay, unlike right. you, but they did. It was like, but it does. I mean, it's such a strong thing. Although I've people, learned. Really good cigars, you know, have, you know, average, you know, basic cigar, not, you know, the stuff that you read about in magazines, but like you go around to the store and you buy a cigar. Yeah. Those cigars, you smoke them, you get up the next morning, your mouth tastes like a, like a trash receptacle. Yes. Yes. The really good cigars uh-huh. don't do that. Really? Yeah. It's okay. This, this, they're just as stinky when you're smoking them and they're great, but they don't linger. Oh, and I've okay. decided that's the difference between a really good cigar and just an okay cigar okay. is the after. Well, I've had a heck of a lot of yeah. okay cigars then. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't smoked a cigar in so long. I, I, yeah, but I remember that. Totally, totally. All right, so we talked about cigars and trying to be old men in divinity yeah. school and mowing the lawns. And next time I mow the lawn, 
Actually, I'm in the phase of my life now where I find a kid to do it. I know that sounds horrible for sport problems, but maybe I'll mow the lawn with, with tall black socks. I'm not sure. There you go. Um, so, any news going on? I'm trying to think of anything that was that was really, really big this week. Uh, I was super, super excited The about. international trailer, or I guess that was last week. What was that? For Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, was basically the same trailer, but there were a couple of little things. Her dad... Was featured more, I think, than oh, in, the, really? in the U.S. trailer. Isn't that amazing that like we're at a world now where a new trailer comes out and it's only like five percent different, yeah. or the international one's slightly right. different than the U.S. one, and yeah. we all have to like soak it all in and yeah. then we dissect Pick it, it apart. Right, and it cracks me up when I hear these guys on blogs and they're they're really unpacking the hell out of this stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, you're thinking too hard. All the right. answers will or will be given yeah. to you in like yeah. three months. Stop over analyzing. Exactly, because all you're doing is you're creating a narrative. For yourself for that story yeah. that it's probably not going to fulfill exactly and you're going to be disappointed um that's and these but they'll go off for you know 15 minutes oh my god on like, this whole yeah, thing. yeah and, and I, they'll be so convinced that they're of course this is how it's going to be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or like i love like um you're at the time now especially when they're uh, you get a marvel and dc movie every other month and they're they're so far down the road and they'll make like this big headline and say so and so actor from this tv show that was only aired for like a, a year or yeah. whatever is on this on this uh in this movie what does it mean and a lot of times it's like they're in the hallway like the biggest one right. that it cracks me up is the new spider <laughs> Spider-Man one they're doing that comes out next year. Yeah. And Spider-Man Homecoming. And they're like all these like um, B and C actors. And I'm not saying they're – I mean some of them I uh, love and adore uh, from, from specific shows and everything. But they make such a big deal out of it. They're like, oh, they're overloading the cast of this, show, of this movie and there's mm-hmm. going to be too many people in here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. these people are probably just like teachers in the high school. Right. And just saying yeah. hi because yeah. they want to be in the movie or something. You yeah. Know? I mean it just – it cracks me up how they overanalyze the hell out of that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's the Warwick Davis effect. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Warwick yeah. Davis is going to be in the next movie. Star Wars movie. Well, of course well, he is. Of course he is. He's going to be the little guy in yeah. the Background. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. So it's 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 not. It doesn't. It, it's not pertinent to the plot. Right. You know? Right. But people do. I mean, they have to take in everything. Yeah. And I think that um, that studios are getting really good at, at understanding that. So that's yes. why they do kind of leak this stuff out on purpose. Right. Think, because they 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 almost need to keep the fans happy a year out before this stuff happens. Yeah, it's, like, like Ben Affleck did it like two weeks ago yeah. brilliantly when they yeah. did the whole Deathstroke thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, Deathstroke's in the movie because that's like, um, when they if they announce it, which they did, um, it's like, oh, he's in it, cool. But when he just sends like a little video, it's a video of the edited video. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, what does this mean? What, is he what? in it? Yeah. He probably is, but how? Yeah. And then, then I started reading articles about the background that's behind him. Like, what scene is he in? I'm like, you right. don't know what scene it is because you don't know what happens in the movie yeah, yet. Right. So, I mean, would you say that this is the same phenomenon as what J.J. Abrams was doing with Star Trek when he purposely misleads the audience? Sure. And, you know, it's the same idea because it's that, it's that idea that people were... I say we because, you know, I'm in this mix too. We're yeah. so hungry for just a little feed yeah that it's created an entire industry that 10 years ago this was not well and that's you know, the thing too and it is a shame because you don't it, it's almost like a, a post fight club yeah. you know uh, yeah. world yeah um or post primal fear any other edward norton movie you want to mention right you know but I, I mean it really is because now i mean i remember in the 90s where like usual suspects came out mm. and blew my mind and i watched it with a couple kids this summer and they're like yeah. oh that was cool i'm like are you kidding are you, me this is, like this i'm watching like i'm watching yeah. you watch it but yeah. they have so much of that and like they've been trained right. to 
to be critical in that level of, okay, something's going to happen. Or I remember in the mid two thousands, I would go see movies with kids and and some of them were super smart in the middle of be like, Oh, it's that guy because they're already, they're not taking it at at the surface level. Yeah. And and, they're not, they're not flowing in with the narrative. Exactly. They're They're staying apart from the narrative. They are because they're like, I have to know the answer before they tell me like, it's like this. Well, it's like the sixth sense, you know, it's that post, you know, add that to the list of cool down And you can never do that anymore. Because people go yeah. in thinking, okay, what's the what's the turn? I yeah. was talking with a couple of youth earlier today, and we we're talking about um, Stranger Things. Yeah, and yeah. and one of them's like, "Don't tell me anything. Uh-huh. I don't want to know any of it." Right. And I'm like, you know, there's no jaw dropping. Like, I can't believe this happened. Scene. Yeah. Because they because nobody cares that. about Barb. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but I mean, there's no like, there's no shocking moment yeah. in the show. No, there's it's not. Just, your questions are answered. And in due time, and in a good way. That was actually the critique that the the main critique that my wife had over the show uh-huh. was we were probably on episode I don't know five, kind of in the middle. Uh-huh. And she pushes pause, and she turns to me and she says, "You know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that I'm smarter than the show is, <laughs> because it's like she was looking yeah. for a more of a of a of an abrupt O Henry moment yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing." And it seemed to be uh, very one-dimensional in terms of how the plot... I mean, there's multiple plot lines going. Yeah. But it's as, almost as if we could see to the end and we knew how it was going to happen yeah. and turn yeah. out. And there was almost a desire for more of a usual suspects kind of twist. Yeah. And it became evident at a certain point that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, but the flip side being... There's not any big gotcha moment. There and isn't. You, you don't have um, to worry about it. There isn't. I mean, they answered the questions you wanted answered. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't anxious about getting them. Um, you know, and the one thing again that's brilliant about like a show that's that's streamed right away, and you only know there's eight episodes, is you know that it's it's going to come in due time. Like you're yeah. you're not anxious. Yeah. Like I have to wait forever. Right. It's like no. By the end of you know, if you're in episode five, you're like okay, three episodes. I'm going to know most of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, what I thought was brilliant about the ending of it was it, it reminds me a lot of a lot of '80s movies in the sense that it answers your questions, but not all of them. Right. It leaves it open for some more, which of course they're doing exactly. But like I was telling uh, Dixon, my boss is if they never did another season. It's still good enough to end. Exactly. You know? It's like the 80s movie that they left it open for a sequel, but they never made one. Big but Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. You know, it's like, it's yes. like, oh, yeah, the monster's yes. still alive. What's uh-huh. going to happen? But at the same time, right. the story's kind of yeah. over. Right. You know, uh, yeah. They, they, yeah. There's yeah. no, you know, it's, well, I can't think of another example as good as that one. It but, just popped, We were talking yeah. about that earlier yeah. today. But yeah, there, there's, you know, oh. Masters of the Universe. Oh. Remember when Skeletor comes at the very end and says, I'll be back? Well, of course he's going to be back. <laughs> of course, you know, in that yeah. story, he probably is going to be back. Yeah. We don't need to know it. And of course, after seeing that movie, you don't care. You certainly was, don't care. It was pretty rough. And there are certainly you know, I still love plenty it. of movies that did get sequels that probably shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Because, that would also fall it, it, Because it yeah. ruined the mystery of it. Exactly. You know, and that's exactly. that was that's my biggest concern for season two is I really hope they yeah. have it together. And honestly, for that reason, I thought the last episode was one of the best ones. Sure. In Stranger Things. Oh, absolutely. You know, when he goes in the bathroom and, spoiler, you yeah, know, yeah. starts, and yeah, yeah. you say, oh. Yeah. Oh. There's more to there's this. There's more. Yeah. And if they never follow up on that, it's still so gripping to well, have that moment. Well, because their you know? story is, in a way, it's over. 
because yeah. the story was yeah. about getting the kid back. Right. The story wasn't about knowing about the upside down and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. But what that that hinted at is mm-hmm. there's a bigger story than this. Exactly. And I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast. Um, uh, about and they were talking about that um, in the sense that maybe this should have been an anthology, right? You know, maybe a different yeah. part of Midwest, a different time where it kind of connects to that. And yeah. I get that. I just think it's almost like they're a victim of their own success because they made these characters that you love so much that you don't want it to be an anthology. You do want to know more than it's happening. But right. but that's that's what I loved about that ending is. Mm-hmm. And when I told people, you know, the people are really genuinely concerned about season two, like they hold season one so closely. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell them if if you don't like season two, you always have season one, and you just leave right. it at that. That's what I do with Dawson's Creek. <laughs> well, I was that's what I do. Dawson won Joey, and that's how it ended. There was no five seasons after. No. Well, and you know, Arrested Development. There is no fourth season. Well, and the, well, the thing with fourth season is it it would be okay in my canon uh-huh. if they actually do a five and continue the story. But you're right. Season three ended perfectly, Season, yeah, and it was why fine. Now, did I enjoy four yes. for its nuances? Sure, I did, yes. and it was like gift mm-hmm. to us. It was like a like an extra credit gift or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. As far as I'm concerned, that show ended with, with Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That last season. Yeah. If you pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I think, you know, and I don't mind them putting shows on forever as long as they do a good job of capping them off so audiences can make the decision for them when the story ends for them. Yeah. Because a lot of shows are going to jump the shark. And I get oh, that. Yeah. Especially yeah. in network television where they get something like Big Bang. And don't get me wrong, I like Big Bang, but I mean, it's like. It should have it, ended it's five years like, ago. There are episodes yeah. where literally nothing happens in the episode, yeah. you know, and the characters yeah. aren't getting moved forward and everything like that. But it's a great for CBS audience, and mm-hmm. that's what they like. But there needs to be a point where for us as an audience, if we want, don't want it to continue, we can get off the train. We can get off the train. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. You know, they didn't. That's why I'm mad at Happy Days because they never had that until the very end. Right, right. So it's almost like you got to watch the first four seasons, then watch like the last episode. One of my favorite sitcoms from the last fifteen years, Happy Endings. Yeah, yeah. It lasted three seasons and yeah. then got canceled. Yeah, and we were all very sad that it got because it was a hilarious show. But in retrospect, maybe it's just as well that it got canceled after three seasons. Yeah, because it never jumped the shark. Every episode mm-hmm. is excellent. Well, and, and that's what's really good about the whole streaming medium now is, is yeah. they can say, I, you know, people can go into Netflix or Hulu or whatever and say, I have this finite story. It has a right. be- middle, beginning, and end. Right. And um, uh, the Duffer Brothers, actually, who did, mm-hmm. they talked about Steven Spielberg saying movies are really good at creating beginnings, but they, yeah. they never, they very rarely do the middle and end, which is very true. Um, and, and, and so when you have that that limited, you know, saying this is the story, this is it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I will tell you that's the that's the biggest defense I had when people are critical towards The Dark Knight Rises. And uh-huh. I know we're going all over the place, but that's really why I like that movie so much is because we've had a thousand superhero movies, right? And and nine hundred out of those thousand are origins, mm-hmm. and then they do like a sequel, and then yeah. they just kind of and then it fizzles away. Now yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with all the Marvel stuff and the DC stuff. They're still kind of in a golden age, but there's going to be a point where it's like. 
you know, maybe one comes out a year and just kind of fizzles away, but there's right. no conclusion to that story. And that's what yeah. I, that, that saddens me because mm-hmm. it's, there's really, they're kind of painting themselves in a corner right. in that way. Now I hope right. that there's some kind of good conclusion ending with the last Avengers because mm-hmm. then you you could end it that way you because I'm sure it. a lot of these guys are probably yeah. going to be finished with that. But you know, what Nolan did with the Dark Knight Rises, it was like, here's my story. It mm-hmm. connects with the themes of the beginning. Yeah. And this is the definitive ending of my Batman, and it mm-hmm. worked very well. Now, I think part of it is people don't want the story of Batman to ever end, and I get that. Yeah. But for me, it was like, first of all, there's 80 different incarnations of Batman. Exactly. So if you don't like that one, yeah. that's fine. But it, for me, it was, okay, it, it granted that character peace. Mm-hmm. It connected with how he started, and there was a definitive ending. It wasn't like... At the very end of Nolan's trilogy, him just swinging away and just into the nuance. It was like, yeah. no, this is this is my ending. And, right. and right. he said he had that in the back of his head the entire time. And that's why I think it's a great completed trilogy. And I remember mm-hmm. when, after that movie came out and The Man of Steel came out and they were talking right. about DC stuff, they're like, yeah, they're going to bring Bale back. And I'm like, don't. Yeah. I love Christian Bale. Yeah. But don't do it. Do right. it completely different. That story is yeah. finished. Yeah. And that's what I like about... Um, you know, the the whole streaming thing is they can say, I have this. I don't know if you watched, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you have HBO. I do not. But um, I had the privilege of, of watching The Night Of okay. on HBO, which was that true. true right. Night. I read and, about it. Yeah. yeah. And what I like about I knew going in, well, I knew it was going to be really good going into it because mm-hmm. HBO doesn't do bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like the Netflix before Netflix. Right. And, um, but it's like there was eight episodes and that's it. And they knew that. So they knew there was a story. So you knew you were going to get your conclusion Mm -hmm. and you knew at the end of the summer, that story will be done. Yeah. You know, and it was, and it ended very, very well. So what is up with house of cards? Yeah. What's up? They're going to have an end game for that? Talking about episodes where nothing happens. Yeah. This last season. Well, I, you know, the, the rumor I thought was after season three was season four would be the last one. Okay. Because that ended with chapter 52. Right. Which is a deck of cards. Yeah. And I thought, I actually thought it was going to be three because I think mm-hmm. the original was a trilogy. Right, which, which hold that flag there for another point to make. But yeah, yeah the original one was a trilogy. So that's what I thought they were going to do, but it got, yeah. but this is their first big boat. Yeah. And it got yeah. so big. Yeah. Um. And, and and now it's almost like I, I mean I love it and and when it yeah. comes out in, in February oh, psh, there it you know, is yeah and God I swear if we're snowed in the day before it starts again one more year <laughs> it's gonna piss me off <laughs> yeah. but um I mean and I love it and I'll yeah. watch Kevin Spacey kick ass any oh, yeah. day of the week oh yeah you know but um but yeah you're right I mean there's they gotta have an end to that and, and I guess if they're adopting from the original maybe they do know their Americanized ending maybe they're just kind of dragging maybe on they're the dragging it on I, I don't because know. it's so popular it is well and that but I was gonna say and that a bad season of House of Cards is better than anything else oh anyway. absolutely so absolutely. it's still I, I great complain. television exactly and, and, and the, but that made me think of of you know speaking of knowing when to end things and having an end point in my experience the British do that very well the BBC shows Oh sure, none of them. They've been last. doing it for I mean, years. Yeah, for, they, that's yeah. that's their system. That's their format. That's their format. And the ne- the networks are starting to learn that though too. Right. And I don't. Well, the cable networks, I guess I would mm-hmm. say, like you mm-hmm. have, um, even if you have shows that are um, more than one season, yeah. it's always like ten episodes, and there's right. one story theme to that, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's mm-hmm. done, and then yeah. something else comes on. Right. The networks are a little behind. They try to do that a little bit, but. At least, and there's not a lot of shows that can hold 23 episodes. No. I mean, like when people are like, I, I can't wait to binge watch whatever that was on ABC. I'm like, I can't watch 23 episodes. No. The only show I will tell you that I can watch a whole season of that's that many is like The Blacklist. 
mm. for and it's, it's just really really well done. Now, yeah. as much as I love that show and James Spader, I would love to see something like Netflix tackle that show sure. and made made sure. it maybe more compact because they yeah. do have to make it drag. But you're right. I mean, yeah. BBC, you know, think about the office. You know, the British Office. People say, oh, it got canceled. No, it didn't. No, get they canceled. They that finished was the, plan. the story. Right. You know, a show like that right now is on HBO's. Um, Danny McBride's Vice Principals. Okay. Um, the season finale is next week, and then there's a second season, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they've already filmed the second season that doesn't come out for a year because he's like, "This was my our story. Right. We could plan it for two seasons. It was originally, I think he was he wanted to do a movie, but they turned it into a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, and then it's done. And he's like, I've already moved on. Yeah. So as as crazy popular as that show has been, and it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad that, you know, and, and there's not, it, it's like finishing a really good book and you're like, that was a wonderful experience. Close it and I'm done. Yeah. You know, I love that with shows like that too. Right. You know, like how we met your mother ended and I, I you could argue about how it ended, but it's like, okay, that story is done. Least, yeah, it's done. Now, should it have ended a little earlier? Maybe. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And but it I, but I still, great. I still yeah. enjoyed it and they knew going into that right. show they were going to end it. So they should never have brought out the fat suits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I mean, we're kind or, of going Did you ever watch Person of Interest? No. That I recommend go back and yeah. they just ended it. I think it was I could be wrong, maybe four seasons mm-hmm. at most. Fantastic. Yeah. Tremendously done network uh primetime drama series. Well, as long as they know how it's gonna end and yeah. because I, I, I get the whole it, it's a they're making money. That's why they're right. there. Yeah. You know, and I get if a show gets bigger than they anticipated, um, and they drag it out, they even jump the shark a little bit. But if mm-hmm. they know how it's going to end, sometimes that makes it worthwhile a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when they do have shows like that, um, that, that's good. What cracks me up is when they have like the fall season and, and then they give you the synopsis of a show. I'm like, yeah. that's a cool story. That'll last two episodes. Exactly. And they wonder why it gets canceled by Thanksgiving. And it's like, yeah. there's no way that's going to drag on for a couple right. seasons. It, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, too, is they've, they've put themselves in a place where they have to think of stories um, that have to last like that. Um, instead of saying, this is a really good story, yeah. let's, you know, and, and yeah. I don't even watch network television because there's really not anything for me anymore. I joke with people all the time mm-hmm. saying I'm not old enough to watch CBS and, <laughs> you know, and I don't care about like dancing with the stuff. It's just not right. my thing. I, I get it. But, um, but to go back real quick, because now we're getting too serious, we're probably not fun. <laughs> and people are like, there's no Batman what? or Barter beer this at all. <laughs> and James is going to listen to this going, God, I should have came. Um, <laughs> James. And we're thinking that yeah. too. Yeah. But absolutely. my last point is um, the, the one thing that Netflix, I think, did get right was with um, Orange is the New Black. And I'll say this okay. is, and not that it's this wonderful show, and, and it is. It's, I don't think it's as good as House of Cards or even the Marvel shows, but I think one thing that they made um, a turning point on that's really smart is that they made it a more of a communal story. I don't know if you ever watched it. I haven't. So, yeah. so it's about this woman who goes to jail for a white collar. She's right. she's literally a wasp. Like she's yeah. she's yeah. an Episcopalian white you know woman mm-hmm. from New York, and she goes into jail. And about the end of the second season, they stop just focusing on her. Yeah. And so they start having episodes about all the other people and introducing their stories and how they got in. And it's almost like you're introduced to that community through her. And she's yeah. still there. Mm-hmm. And she's still kind of the main character. I get it. But that show is has a sense of, because she's only in jail for like 18 months. And I guess each season's only like two months anyway. Okay. But if she ever decides to leave or her story's over because it, it does, she, it she's does get kind of, yeah. Or, yeah. And plus her story's kind of, it's gotten kind of old. Okay. I mean, it has. There's yeah. not enough to say. And I like her. She's a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's one of those that they can make that go on because they can just constantly bring people in. And the writing's really good. So there's not this plot that connects the seasons and everything. It's just about mm-hmm. this is a day in the life of, and this yeah. is what it looks like as being in a, in yeah. a, in a minimum security female prison mm-hmm. and the lives that they lead. And this person's representing this particular demographic and why they're in jail and the injustices mm-hmm. of the incarceration mm-hmm. system. And one of the themes in it is the prison gets bought out by a, a, a private owner. Oh, pri- okay. yeah. So there is that politics in it too. Yeah. So that's what I like about that show in that sense that that show, as long as there's good writing, could go on for years. Um, is it my favorite? No, you know, but it's good. My favorite's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, of course. That show can go on forever, too. So, but anyway, okay, so we talked about TV shows and and our, you know, little um, favorite parts and why we like them and then complaining about old people networks and things like that. So take it for what it is. That's fine. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get some beer going. Excellent. Let's do that. Excellent. And uh, then we will come right back. See if I can find this sucker. Yeah. Okay, so we're back. I had to run upstairs and get some glasses for this beer that you got. So it's Belgium. Where, yeah. And you said it traveled. Where did you get it from? A friend of mine and brought if you it say up Belgium, to our house I will yeah. slap you. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Tryon, North Carolina. Oh, okay. But it is Close the enough. Saint Sebastian Golden Belgian Ale. From the Sterkens Brewery in Meer, Belgium, which is in the Flemish side, so not in the southwest of Belgium, okay. towards the more of the northeast where they speak Flemish and not French. Okay. Um, blonde top fermented Abbey Ale, and that is all we know about it. Now, when a Belgian or Dutch beer says Abbey Ale, mm-hmm. that means very little. It may or may not have been brewed at an actual monastery. Okay. Um, the Trappist, when you see a Trappist beer, you know that was brewed at a monastery because that is a controlled, government-regulated label. Okay. But they can say Abbey Ale and mean it's a style. Some are, some aren't. So, you, you know, who knows? But we can, we can be reassured that this is craft brewed in small batches at a small, probably family-owned establishment. And the neat thing is that the bottle is ceramic. Yeah, It is completely beautiful. ceramic bottle. Yeah, it's beautiful. With a swivel-top Grolsch-style stopper. That's pretty fantastic. Even though it had a bottle cap at the same time. Still, it's, it's, that's cool. That's yeah. Cool. It's, yeah. you know, you say it's, it's made in a monastery. It just, it's fascinating, the spectrum of not only the Christian world theologically, yeah. but culturally. Right. In a sense that if there's anybody listening, there's probably people going, these guys are Christian and they're drinking <laughs> beer. And then True. here we are saying a Monk. monastery, yeah. monks who've dedicated yeah. their lives to Jesus. to Jesus more than we ever Westerners could ever imagine make beer. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I say that in not defense of us being Episcopalian and allowed to drink, um, or that we do on every Sunday morning, but I say that with the humility that we all have different perspectives. I, it, it's just fascinating to right. me. Right. And if you want to be somebody who says, I can't drink, cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's your conviction. Um, but we do. <laughs> yeah. So let's give it a taste. Let's give this thing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing this. Of I appreciate it. The nice thing about it being as 
non-cold as it is, it'll bring, it'll bring out all the characteristics. Like yeah. cheese. You know, you should let out cheese sit out at least half an hour before you start eating it. Yeah, yeah. To let all those esters and all those characteristics come to the front. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is good. This is good. It's definitely a Belgium yeah. beer. I mean, it tastes like one. I always say whenever it tastes like winter, it's, it's yeah. a Belgian beer. Yeah. It's, it's, I appreciate the subtlety. It does not... A lot of uh, Belgians have a very, very strong kind of earthy floral note to them. Yeah. And this doesn't have as much of that in your face. It's there, but it's more in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is like it hits you a little bit like it should, but not like it, you know, and then it kind of just smooths away a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's very smooth. Oh, it's very pleasant. It really is. It's really nice. There's a nice grainy cereal note, but it's not too sweet. No. Yeah, it's good. This is this is okay. It's well done. I wonder if you can get that online. I imagine you can. I don't know. You might be able to find this at City Beverage downtown. Okay. I have. Do you looked. know? And I haven't looked. Maybe you haven't either. But you know how subscription boxes are huge right now. You can yeah. do the wines and things. I right. wonder if they have like a beer one they where do. they send you. They have those different beers. I mean, we live in a world where we can go to. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of places here in town, and we literally just have, you know, rows of different beer, which right. is great. But not everyone too. has that. No, not everybody has it, but not only that, but a lot of times you can't be like, okay, have you, you know, I'm sure the person back there hasn't tried every single one or, you know, but it would be nice that, you know, they have a company that says this is, and then gives you a little story about it, you know, and this is what you like. And then maybe if you really do like it, Mm -hmm. um, there's a way for you to to get it. I love like when we went to, um, small batch, um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, you can get like, you know, all the samples and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm The problem I always have with that is I can never remember what is what and which ones I like right. and which ones I don't. I used to go to Foothills forever, yeah. and I always get the sample because I'm like, I can't yeah. remember which ones I like, and right. I always get the one I don't, mm-hmm. and I can never remember which one that is, so I never go get pints there. There was a period of, of my life, I've gotten away, I haven't done this in a while, but I used to uh, take notes, literally write things down, and there are a couple of websites that are kind of archival things where you yeah. can contribute and rank and rate. Oh, one wow. of them is called ratebeer.com. I th- I've and seen. That. I think you can actually get an app for something like yeah, that. Yeah, they have an app. Yeah. And the other one that actually has become, in my estimation, they've gotten bigger and do more things. Um, is called Beer Advocate. They actually have a magazine they publish. Oh, they nice. also have an e version of the magazine. Oh, very nice. Subscribe to, but they also have a kind of an aggregate ranking and rating system where people will put on tasting notes, give the beer grade, and then they compile all those things together God, it's very helpful beeradvocate.com yeah it's an excellent thing i mean it's just amazing because the technology yeah. we can do that right. we can find communities for every little uh-huh. niche and, and I, there's an app called too. untapped that's really popular right now on i think i've seen that one yeah, yeah and yeah. it's i tried i just couldn't get into it yeah I think i'm I old enough that i was like this is not beer advocate yeah. this is God. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but um <laughs> and for a while i actually wrote a, a blog on kind of beer mm-hmm culture and ranking beers and having a beer of the month and also i do a lot of home brewing uh-huh. not recently but i'm a home brewer yeah, and yeah. so i had a lot of stuff about my home brewing on the blog as well it's been defunct for a while mm-hmm. grad school happened you know sure. but it still exists so i might have to resurrect I think, the blog i think there's a there's a point where everybody i think everybody our age has a defunct blog yeah you know? <laughs> and a live journal account if they're truly live our age journal oh my gosh <laughs> yeah which brings me back. I know we're enjoying this beer. And it's good. And this is how much of, of a Methodist I was. Is I've had uh-huh. a couple sips, and I'm already kind of... Yeah. 
I'm, I'm such a lush. I'm, I'm the worst. That's all right. I was a Baptist in my previous life. Oh my life, gosh, you so. smell that and you're going to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a time. Um, but speaking of age and speaking of what we were talking about before the break, yeah. it has come to my attention that the Duffer brothers did not grow up in the 80s. Are you serious? Is that true? I, I, I don't know. I've heard a rumor that. that that is the case. I don't know. And if so, I simultaneously have more and less respect. Yeah, that's for true. Them. Well, because the, if that's true, then you don't have that camaraderie with them. Right. But at the same time, seeing somebody from the outside appreciate yeah. what we had, right, um, is kind of nice too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because it really is an, an, an homage. It is. You know, I mean, the story's good and everything, but I think yeah. that what people our age. You know, our generation was, yeah. I guess, like 35 to maybe 50, something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, the Gen yeah, yeah. X kind of... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, the story is fantastic, and I love it, but there is that, there's all the nostalgia, too. All the detail, all the attention to what's in the background. Yeah. And you can identify what year, walkie-talkies aside, mm-hmm. this is taking place <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, but you I mean, know. that first thing, we're going back to the Stranger Things, we can go back to other stuff. That's all right, yeah, we haven't talked about Bart yet. But yeah, that's true, we haven't... <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So Carl Bart is kind of like the the Demogorgon. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not at all. Carl Bart would say there's no Demogorgon. That's Gordon. right. There's no need to worry about. It. I'm not even going to put words in his mouth. I, I'm not worthy. Um, but I mean, real quick. I mean, the yeah. first scene you see these 13 year old kids yeah. in a basement that looks right. like as all the 70s oak wood. Every basement and, we went into as a child. At and, a and the house table or, with the yeah. board games. I'm like, God, yeah. that was my childhood. Like, and the thick carpet and the dim yeah, lighting. Yeah, and yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. It was just like, it was like mom and dad's old furniture right. from the 60s down yeah. there. Uh-huh. You know, and, and, and as I'm watching them, like, you know, and I just finished my basement and it looks like it's like all clean and I have everything like perfect, like a museum almost. Mm-hmm. It's like part of me wishes I had that like hole in the wall basement because it was yeah. cozy you yeah. had the old like like wooden furniture in there and there was the somewhere Afghans. yeah somewhere in the corner there was a there was a record player with bad speakers yeah you yeah. know yeah yeah and and i do i'm i miss that but part of it i mean i remember talking to to my boss about it and he's like I never thought I'd want to play Dungeons and Dragons again. He goes, I want to play so badly. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm that level. Because yeah. I played it a couple times, and I'm like, I do not have 10 hours to just talk about this stuff. Um, but I get that. Like, I remember being in, in our basement, and whether it be playing with action figures or playing Risk. Right, or, oh, Risk, yeah. Stealing booze from my stepdad. Um, but, you know, things that we did in the mm-hmm. basement, yeah. you know, it just, I mean, that was our world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those kids uh-huh. had that world there. Right. And, of course, it took place in Indiana, which is, I grew up in northwest Indiana outside of Chicago. Yeah, Kind of right. that Midwesternness. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, I miss that. I mean, middle school aside, because middle school sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Oh, yeah. But that stage in your life yeah is just so awesome and precious because i remember thinking that is like it's before you had to get a job Uh it's before you had to have eight hours of homework every day right but you still had the freedom to ride your bike you went to the comic book store you really are um unless you're the popular kids because you're really struggling to figure out how you fit into that Mm -hmm. you really are who you are and the concern about popularity is not as intense as it is in high school it's a different level of 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 so socialization at that age because it you've is. got one foot in childhood and one foot in whatever that other thing is. And really is. if you're not popular in middle school you really don't care. 
You know what I mean? Like you yeah. do, but you don't. And at the same time, the popular kids don't care. Yeah. That you know, there's uh, my I had a well, I had a very interesting middle school time because I was um, moving a lot and living overseas. Yeah. Uh, I was going to international schools, uh, which are fascinating, and, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, it's, it's what I knew, it's what I know for that age bracket, mm-hmm. but. Um, I had, but that meant I was perpetually the new kid. Yeah. Every time I turned around, yeah. I was the new kid yeah. and I had a tough time fitting in. I was the outsider. Yeah. I was the guy who was different. Um, and there were, you know, kids picked on me and, and there wasn't the sense of knowing how to approach each other from both angles. And the thing that occurred to me towards the end of that, when I was finishing eighth grade and getting ready to go to high school and moving again, in fact, was that the kids that I thought hated me the most and picked on me the most turned out to be the kids who were the first ones to say, Mark, I'm really going to miss you when you're gone. And it wasn't it wasn't the idea of, I'm going to miss you because I'm not going to have anybody to pick on anymore. Yeah, that yeah, wasn't it. It yeah. was truly, you know, I'm going to miss us being in this group together. Yeah. And and I think that's the that's the... That's the grace of middle school. Yeah, is that the institutional memory is so short. Yeah, um, and it's not as entrenched as it is in certain ways in, in high school and beyond. No, you're right. Because when I do think of those t- that age in my life, I think of the eight of us walking eight miles to the comic store. Yeah, and, yeah. And the summers where you ride your bike until the lights went out on the uh, street because oh, yeah. then you had to be home had to, or right, your mom would kick your right. ass. Yeah. Um, or playing street hockey, you know. Yeah. Um, Southern people, hockey is the sport that we play. <laughs> oh, it's um, like soccer with sticks, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And, um, well, they play lacrosse down here, so it's kind of like that, yeah. I guess, a little bit. Um, it's like lacrosse and golf had a it's child. Like, it's like lacrosse without the Native American Enrichment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, when I think of that, that's the, that's what I think of. And yeah, going to yeah. my friends' houses mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and literally being in a basement all day, regardless yeah. of what the weather was. Because it was in northwest Indiana, it was either too flipping cold to be outside or too flipping hot. Yeah. So, you know, and watching four hours of Beavis and Butthead. Now, I was 10 years after, uh, right. you know, uh, Stranger Things. But, um, but Voltron, that, watching Voltron. Voltron. If but, they you know, had cable. Our, yeah, 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 exactly. But, t- you know, early 90s culture is way closer to early 80s than it is today. Yes, that's so, true. That is so, true. But, you know, yeah. that's what I remember is just that uh-huh. innocence, that Sandlot type, right. you know. Right. And, and I don't remember walking down the halls in seventh grade and all that stuff because that sucked and I really didn't, yeah. you know. It, Block it, it, it out didn't, and yeah, yeah, it didn't define me. No um, one told me to scoot my tube socks down. Yeah, lower yeah, on yeah. my legs, yeah, but yeah, I would, yeah. you know, tight roll those jeans. You look like a loser. <laughs> Show me that ankle. Uh. But uh, I mean, and that's what I mean. That's what I loved about it is it was a part of that innocence that I hadn't thought about in years. And I'm like, God, I really yeah. miss that. And I think it even at our age we can have that, which is probably why we're sitting in my basement talking. That's right. Uh, hey, it's it's a natural. Yeah, it is it, a natural habitat for yeah, those it, of us. In our you youth, know. we're also starting a Thursday night UIC right before this, and we're yeah. going to do board games and stuff nice, like that. And I can't nice. wait till it gets cold and you get yeah. blankets around uh-huh. and everything like that. But um, you can have that. But I also think like I get to live that vicariously through my kids. Nice. And I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be a little different. I mean, if, sure. in this day and age. I mean, the one thing those kids had was, and that's different now, mm-hmm. is these kids were nerdy kids. Oh yeah. And they found each other through that. 
right. and they were by themselves. And yeah. so they had that camaraderie. And yeah. we, and I had that. I remember when I was younger because it was like we were the only ones that like went to the comic book and store, got the comic books and you know, right. and, yeah. and knew, you know, if somebody said something like, yeah. you know, I don't know, a comment about Dark Phoenix or, yeah. or Professor X or what was the Optimus first appearance Prime of Gambit? Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. who's still pissed off that Optimus Prime died in the Transformer movie? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we get that. Yeah. This day and age, it, it's it's a good. It's not a bad thing. There are pros and cons to it, but you can go online and just connect with all those people. But yeah. the, but yeah. see, my problem is I'm still a geek. I don't sit down with people and discuss it. I listen to people on on blogs, so there's no yeah. none of that community. You know, I mean, right. fortunately, I have my boss down the down the hallway, so I yeah. have that. But I mean, really, there's nobody else to share that stuff with on a personal level anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's it's empowering, which is why mm-hmm. Comic Con and all that stuff gets mm-hmm. so big. You know, mm-hmm. so anyway, but we can. Yeah, I, I liked what you're talking about the the grace that happens at that age. Yeah. Um, that we'd lose because yeah, it's such lose. a hard age in so many ways, and yet at the same time, it's grace filled on top of it. Oh, absolutely! It's 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 for the first time you're at that age. You're starting to figure out who you are. Yeah, you're starting to figure out who you are individually, but you're mm-hmm. also trying to figure out who you are and how you fit in the community too. Right. And right. if that's not the essence of what it means to struggle as, as as a Christian, I don't know. I mean, that's really what it what it's about is trying to figure out who you are in that, mm-hmm. um, and then how do you fit in that community if you do middle school as a model for church? No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. the only difference yeah. is that in middle school you have to endure it. And yeah. there's a level of naivete that you don't realize how much it sucks until you're out of it. I mean, really, it's I remember freshman true. and sophomore year in yeah, high school, I'm like, very true. God, those sucked, but I didn't realize it. Yeah. You know, but with church, I, the thing is, you can't just, I'm done and walk away from it, you know? Yeah. So, I, you know, but I think we, all of us at any age, we're still trying to figure out who we are individually and communally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading this book about right now about millennials and, and walking away from church, mm-hmm. and, and it's really fascinating. Um, you can get it at Barnes and Noble, and I was actually telling the guy I met with this morning. I try to make it a habit not to read theological books that you can buy at Barnes and Noble. Right. I'm not trying to sound you know, um, you know, full of myself, but really, you know, because um, I'm I'm not full of myself. Trust me. But um, but it's it's really interesting because it talks about how there's times in people's walk with Christ where they start figuring out who they are. Yeah. And that conflicts with the community that they've always been in. Right. And the first response right. they have is to just leave it. Yeah. Because they think that that is just the the, the full community of the church. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. You know, and, oh, and, yeah. and I don't want I don't want to pick on particular things, but this book was about someone who grew up in the evangelical faith mm-hmm. and then started struggling with the the um, the black and whiteness of their theology, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 started challenging that, and so they just. They said, this is what church is I don't want to be in. And what they don't understand is yeah. that's just a particular community. Right. Now, now, the one thing that we've talked about at work um, is that, and, and you and I have talked about it too, is particularly in the, in the evangelical tradition is they don't understand that they have a perspective on Christianity. We've talked about that we a lot. We have talked about that. And this. we'll probably talk about yeah. that a lot because that, that's, my boss said that to me. He doesn't yeah. say a lot of cool things, <laughs> but every once in a while he'll say something that, that, that yeah. somebody smart should say. And... Um, <laughs> But, you know, he said that because we, him and I were talking about it. I was struggling with it. And, and he said that um, oh, we were on our mission trip. And uh, because they use uh, they, those people, um, 
evangelical culture, and, and I get it to some degree, is they have a very particular language. Yes. And and and, and which we all do. We all do. Yes. And, and one thing I will give them credit for is they teach their language to their congregants very it, very well. And they teach it, and they and they preserve it as a living thing. Exactly, and that's yeah. something mainline Protestants and even our uh, Roman Catholics. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, well, the Roman Catholics and a lot of them have a lot well, of language. Yeah. But even uh, you know, and I don't put us in the mainline Protestantism because right. I think we're more. Anglicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one foot in that, one foot in the Catholic Church, right. which is where I like to be. Yes. But, um, you know, we've kind of lost that too, which is mm-hmm. kind of one of our, our uh, theses for this this next year. Yeah. But um, the problem with that is that they um, they think that's the only language. They th- Right. They're monoglots. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. They're I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theological monoglots. Yes. And there is value to be found in can you explain that to what a monoglot is real quickly you speak one sounds... language and you understand okay, one language you. because only. and not yeah. f- not for me but for right. people because that's this sounds really bad it's well it's, you know? it's the equivalent of once again autobiography as a child living in in other countries yeah being exposed to a little bit just a little sliver a little slice of some of the wider world yeah and you quickly learn that in the United States, we have the luxury of only needing to speak one language mm. because the world speaks English. Yeah. But anywhere else, especially outside of the Western, Euro-Western world, even within Europe, mm-hmm. um, even in parts of Canada, that is not reality. Mm-hmm. And if you don't speak at least two languages, your education is lacking. Mm. And um, it is not unheard of in some parts of the world for people to speak five different languages and think nothing of it. Yeah. Why wouldn't I speak all these different languages? I interact with each of them every day of my life. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for that to translate into the life of faith. Sure. Speaking of theological language, religious community language, and we can only benefit from maybe not being fluent, but at least being familiar with different dialects, if you will, of the language of faith. Yeah. Well, and that's good because, and to pick on the other side, not just mm-hmm. the evangelical side, is if we get that language they use, yeah. you know, the, I'll tell you when I was saved, right, or, you know, things like that, yeah. and we can equate that to the language we use, mm-hmm. we can understand where they're coming from. Right. Because it does cut both directions. It, it does. And yeah. sometimes it's just a language barrier. Sometimes right. it's theological, and I sometimes, get that. And yeah. when I try to unpack that with people, they're like, no, 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 no. This was the moment I was saved. Yeah. And I'll have to say, well... In my tradition, and what I'm thinking theologically is that's the moment where I understood, yeah. you know, the grace of God. Right. You know, because I'm, again, Karl Barth, I'm in, I'm in the line of, I was saved on a Friday afternoon 2,000 years ago. Exactly. How do I respond to that? Right. Um, so there is a moment yeah. for me. It's not... There can be multiple and moments. It is, there, absolutely. We talked about that. Yeah. And it's a salvific moment. Yes. But it's not a line I cross for now I'm saved post, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so when they and and they might not agree with me theologically, it's fine. But at mm-hmm. least when they say this, I can equate it into some degree of saying, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from because mm-hmm. really for me that's right. You're, you're right. You know, if you believe that's when you were saved, quote unquote, it's also the moment where you understand that too, or you start yeah. grasping that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you're right. There has to be the humility of, um, okay, I don't use that language. 
Um, I don't agree with that language, but at least I have an understanding of where you're coming from. Exactly. The problem is, is when there's a particular sect of our religion mm-hmm. that refuses to learn that, kind of like Americans do. Right. And why and should I have to learn another? Exactly. Language? Or there is no other Christian language. Yeah. This is yeah. the Christian language. Uh huh. And then they're the ones who are on the television, right. Saying this is a Christian language. I'm speaking for all Christians. Exactly. In all times and places. And then when, and, and yeah. not that they're right or wrong theologically, I don't want to get into that. But when you have people that don't connect or their message mm-hmm. doesn't resonate with them, mm-hmm. which is a lot of people, um, then they automatically write the rest of Christianity off. Precisely. Now. I always say that the Episcopal Church is one of the best kept secrets ecumenically, and I yeah. and I believe that, but I also believe it's one of our greatest sins because we're yes. not saying we're not out there saying no, there is another language, mm-hmm. there is another. You know, mm-hmm. we have um, one particular young adult in our church. Um, she came from the evangelical tradition, and she's like, God, if I would have known about this church a long time ago, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have just moved, you know, because she left yeah. the church and things like yeah. that. And I'm getting more and more of those millennials, like, saying, I, I, I didn't know about this. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of our fault. That's you our know? fault. I mean, yeah. it, I didn't know. I didn't, you know? I mean, yeah. I went, I went you to and divinity I school, the, yeah. and I was like, yeah. you know, so... Um, so we're it's, part it's, of that story. We're part of that narrative. Exactly, we're yeah. part of that narrative. But at the same time, it's like as because we are, mm-hmm. it's almost even more on our shoulders. It's incumbent upon us to exactly, yeah, and know that there yeah. are other people outside of that. So now we're getting. God, how do we go from Stranger Things to church? And language? that children is the power of beer. It is, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, if you if you're saying God, I shouldn't drink beer, you will get in the best theological conversations after beer. Well, I saw a great little cartoon. I will try to describe the visual in an okay. audio format. Okay. Um, and the top part of the cartoon has some, a character like on the label of this bottle, someone who's probably in holy orders, a monk of some European extraction with his... Picture little, Friar Tuck? Yes. From with, the Disney movie. What yes. was he? Was he like a mole? He, he was a badger. He was a badger. Okay, pic, yeah. picture a badger in an owl or a cassock. A, yeah, with a little skull cap on. Yes. And in the top part of the cartoon says, I will not engage in theological debate and discussion. Period. Okay. And then it shows... Holding up a glass with a you know a, a German Stein or something, and it says three beers later, and then it has the bottom frame of the cartoon, and lo and behold, it's Martin Luther nailing yeah. the ninety-five theses to the door of the Wittenberg exactly, Church, man. And that liquid, children is the liquid <laughs> courage, <laughs> liquid courage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Luther, as we all know, loved his beer. Martin Luther's wife, in fact, was a brewer, really, or a Brewster, really. Yeah, Katie Katarina. Mrs. Luther brewed <laughs> beer for the Luther household. Wow. And he had um, his, during his famous university theology chats yeah. in Wittenberg, um, he had a Stein that he would sit down. And I don't know if this is literally true, but this is according to Dr. David Steinmetz of Blessed Memory. Well, yes. He, if um, anybody would know. Steinmetz would Steinmetz know. Steinmetz would know, yes. And there were some, he etched on the side of his beer stein different levels, you know, vertically going down the glass or uh-huh. the, the mug or whatever, you know. Yeah. And there were certain topics he would only talk about when the level of the beer <laughs> in the glass <laughs> dropped to that particular line wow. on the side of the, of the stein. Talk about 
knowing your yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really studying where you are and right. who you are. You right. get to a certain point and that's when I'll talk about this. Exactly. That's pretty fantastic. That's I, I, I get that. I get that. So yeah, yeah. So but we are a part of the Episcopal tradition. It's mm-hmm. part of who we are. I think for me, you know, I'm old enough where it's not about getting buzzed or drunk or anything because I'm too busy. And right. I don't want you know, but it's for me. It's it resonates with part of our tradition so much, right? You know, and knowing that, like you know, this this beer that we have has a story. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, but this beer has been prayed over. Yeah, in fact. exactly. And the brewing of beer in monasteries is is part of their act of work and service, and also an act of prayer. Sure, going through these daily rituals of living and and working in community. Yeah, but. I mean, you drink a beer, uh, and especially because there's so many different kinds now. It's just mm-hmm. not like the big corporate beers. Yeah. Is somebody poured their heart and soul in trying to figure out this particular flavor. Right. And, right. And there's something sacramental to it in the sense that when you're drinking a beer, you are connecting with someone yeah. at a level whom you'll probably never meet. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, mm-hmm. I always talk about in... in that's a, a wonderful... I've, that's a wonderful... Way to think about that. Yeah. I like that. And it it might even be somebody who came before you because it might be, you know, again, uh, that could be a beer that somebody made 200 years ago and that Mm monastery has been. So Mm -hmm. there there makes that communal connection. And I think that, um, you know, theologically, we can make connections that transcend not just space but time. Right. And this tells a narrative. And and when you're drinking yeah. it, you're mm-hmm. kind of soaking in that narrative or accepting it. Right. You might not even know the story, but yeah. you're, you're becoming a part of it. You know, almost in spite of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really, it, and so it does. It does let you realize the genius of what Christ did at that moment. Yeah. You know, is when he says, "This is my blood." You know, I'm. You're being a part of the story. You're soaking it into. You are consuming it. And I'm not comparing. You know. The guy who created Sam Adams to Jesus, but I, but I, but there is something um, that we connect with. I mean, if if there is anything that is the kingdom of God on this side of the eschaton, it's that connectedness. And so that's a big reason why I like drinking beer. As things got really deep, really fast, they did. That's pretty they did. amazing. And, but and, as and as not as, as deep uh... as my glass because it's getting pretty shallow. <laughs> But, you know, but, you know and, and of course, everybody would be like, well, you can right. do other things besides drink beer. Well, you can, of course you of could. Course you you can, can eat cheese. You could, Absolutely. you know, name your thing. As as one of my great heroes of the faith, Stanley Hauerwas, would say, this is part of what it means to be part of a story-formed community. Mm. Yeah. You know, this is tapping into the wider narrative yeah. that connects us together. Yeah, that Hauerwas said no shit, but... Every once in a while, he'll say something smart. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's there is something about that's that's very true though. I mean that, that yeah that really resonates. You're right. It does. So I mean, and that's what I like it is there is a connectedness with that. There is a yeah. story with that. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's why I um, a lot of restaurants and food places and chains now that are mm-hmm. doing really well. Mm-hmm. It's because they're sharing their story and their narrative. Right. You know, it's, right. it is about that. And I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know if it's because we we're starting to live in this post global technological, yeah. you know, thing where we're trying to get back to that. Um, but there, there, there is that. It's even funny. You go to McDonald's and they'll tell you the story of McDonald's now. Like, so, yeah. You know, because yeah. they're trying to get back to that. We're trying to connect. And, and really, if you think about it, that's probably what made them as big as they were when they first started is because yeah. that was the story and narrative mm-hmm. that people knew. 
trying to connect with things that make for connection. Yeah. 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 And that was the great promise. That was the great promise of the internet. Yeah. It's going to bring the world together. It's going to bring us all closer together. And it did in some way. In some some ways it did. It did. But I think now that you have these generations of, especially teenagers, Mm -hmm. that don't know a world before the internet, they're really going to be the first generation that teaches us how to live as a community with the internet. Yeah. You know, I mean, people that, and, and even our generation and older, we are infants in this. Yeah. We, in a lot of ways, we don't even know how to use the internet. No, in, we, in, we absolutely in, in do not. In a mature not. way. Yeah. I mean, I don't go on Facebook because Facebook. everybody over the age yeah. of 60 is arguing and bittering, bickering about what happened to Nixon and, yeah. you, know, uh, you yeah. know, or, you know, whatever happened in high school. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's fascinating that, um, that they're the ones we're going to have to learn this from. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we constantly, you know, and I do youth ministry, we're constantly talking, we got to teach the kids how to, you know, be, and we do, and I get that because they don't understand they haven't been around long enough to understand what they do at a young age matters later on. Yeah. And yeah. everything they do is recorded and everything. I mean, unlike us. And which is gonna make, once again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is going to make presidential elections in 2040 really, really interesting. Yeah. Because they're going to be able to bring up every little thing from when they were 12. Right. You know? Exactly. But um, maybe uh, 2050. Yeah. But, um, but as the generations happen, mm-hmm. they're really going to know that. And I think right. you do see these millennial... Um, you know, response to that saying, you know, yes, technologically I get this and, and we do have the connectedness and it's, it is the world, but they also have the appreciation for the local as well. Yeah. You know, and the pride yeah. in the local that I'm starting to see come back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't even know if those are, I mean, our generation's doing that a little bit too. Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah. Because we, you know, our generation has one solid foot of, of distinctive memory in that world. Sure. But also that quote unquote, that world was also the world of McDonaldization and standardization. Sure. And, and so there's this interesting mix at play. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I I mean, but I do see a lot more local pride Oh, now, yeah. oh, so much more now. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, it, I the mean, little we, stickers on cars, you know, oh, yeah. living in Durham, you know, yeah. those great stickers about, you know, love yourself, Durham. And, yeah, yeah. And all those, what that was. Well, but. It, you're fine. Um, it, it's, you know, when I grew up, it mm-hmm. was like, how far away are you going to get from home? Exactly. You know, that's how yeah. successful you were. Right. You know, and, but now, I mean, of course, you know, economics and, and, and the way we, um, um, uh, measure adolescence and things are come into play too. So a lot of people are staying closer, but there is this level of pride. Yeah. Um, yeah. And localization. I mean, the best selling beers in Winston are ones that They're are made in Winston. Made right here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we live in Winston Salem. In case you didn't know, it's 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 the future Portland of the East Side, as far oh as my, I'm concerned. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. But uh, either Portland, pick your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Either Portland. Um. But yeah, you're right. Uh, there is there is that sense of because it, because then it allows you to be part of a narrative. It allows you to be a part of a story. And I think we lost that for a long time. And, yeah. and, and the younger people are like, no, I want to be a part of that. And really, um, I think the church is still hurting. Yes. From that. Yes. And in a lot of ways, it's the church's fault because they became a McDonaldization yeah. of, of of themselves, and right. they lost that sense of story, and they wanted to yeah. make a product. You know, which is why they have contemporary service. Um, but, uh, and I think, you know, when I have young people, and I mean young people like 30 and younger, 
um, coming back to the church, it's because they do want to be a part of a bigger story. A bigger story. You know, and, and I had a friend of mine who's a pastor, he's a Methodist pastor, and, and you know, those guys don't say anything that's, that's, that blows my mind too often, but I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> it's just the beer talking. <laughs> um, is a really, really good guy, but he always tells people, he says, everybody wants to be a part of a story. Yeah. You know, and the story of the resurrected Christ, why wouldn't you want yeah. to be a part of that the one? story? You know, and, and story, he tells right. it in that narrative way. Yeah. And of course, he says it more eloquently. He's a great preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to admit it because he's still a kid, but I mean, really, I mean, he's like 30. But, um, but, you know, and I'm like, that's a really good argument is uh-huh. why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you right. be a part of that story of grace and salvation? Yeah. It's not about, you know, the apologetics of believing or, or yeah. proving it or mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's the living in that hope of, you know, this, you know, there are stories. And that's why I think the book of Acts is one of the most rich, one of the richest, most fascinating books in the whole Bible is the book of Acts. Yeah. Because there's a way of reading Acts that says that that's what that book is about. It's simply here, look at these stories. Yeah. Look at this ongoing narrative. Look at all these different threads in this story. Yeah. And that's the whole, you know, the whole book, sequel to a gospel. Yeah. The gospel flows right into this story formed narrative community. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think instead of calling this thing was a beer, Bart, and Batman, yeah. we need to call it Batman, Beer, and Bart, because <laughs> we come in and we start talking about the BS of, of pop culture, right? and then we have a, a beer or so, and then, and then we connect it, and then we make it all really, really nerdy. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we don't really get into the theological stuff until after having a beer, but that's... that's that, no, that's that kind of makes you. sense to me. It does. I mean, in, in, in the spirit of, of many of our ancestors in the faith. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Very cool. Um, that's all I got for now. Um, we're actually um, we're hoping to get James here in a couple weeks too. We'll probably do this again. This is again. This is a preliminary. Yeah. Um, James will pr- provide a fresh millennial voice. Yes, he will. <laughs> he will. Um, yeah, yeah. Such a hipster. To, to our curmudgeonly. Um, yeah, exactly. His his pants are, are tighter than mine. Um, <laughs> And and I have I, I have to pull my calves out. I might as things. well be wearing a zoot suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. um, pleats. <laughs> so so it'll be typically be the three of us. It might be me and Mark, or me and James, or Mark and James every once in a while too, because yeah. we all have lives. But we're gonna try to do this regularly. And the podcasts that I like are the ones who've been doing it for four or five years because then right. they finally find their groove exactly, and they find their you know how it's gonna play out. So Amen. this again, this is yeah. a preliminary. We're gonna do this regardless if anybody listens to it or not because I think we can get yeah. better at I it. I get some guests. And we're gonna get here. some guests. We got some wonderful people, you know, my boss, mm-hmm. um, Dixon, his boss, John Shields. Right. Um, <laughs> I actually, I was thinking earlier today, I have a really good friend of mine from, uh, we were talking about it earlier mm-hmm. from college yeah. and, uh, uh, really, really neat, interesting guy. He used yeah. to be a comedian okay. and I think uh-huh. he was such a smart comedian. Yeah. He didn't do well in the South. Mm-hmm. And I always told him mm-hmm. he needed to go to New York. He would have been a yeah. writer for daily show or whatever. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. um, but he didn't, and now he's a business guy. Or I don't know what he does. He's one of those business jobs that I just couldn't do. Right. But um, really smart guy, probably one of the smartest guys I know. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really, and he's a preacher's kid. His dad's a Methodist pastor. And um, and he he doesn't really believe in God and all that stuff. And not out of anger, it's just that's just not what he is. And he looks at it from a really good perspective. It's not from a critical Bill Maher esque, you know, I hate religion perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, he there's a level of respect he has for it. Yeah. Um, so I want him to come. I used to have him come. I used to have him be the speaker for graduation Sunday. And he would always start with, 
wow, you didn't stop breathing for 18 years. Congratulations. And I always thought I would get in trouble, but the parents loved it. So I'm going to, I want to try to have him on sometime. Um, my best childhood friend lives down the road. Maybe I can get him. And because we don't mind cussing, I can actually get him on here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll have a lot of really cool people. You know, a lot of good people. There's some wonderful people. And maybe between the three of us, we can get some actual theologians to do this. That would be fantastic. You know? Yeah. I think we could absolutely. James said he'll get Douglas Campbell. Hey, that's the dream right there. That's my man crush right there. Right. He is the Liam Neeson of theologians. He, I I just pulled that out of my ass. I, you know, know. sounds good to me. Sounds good to me too. He's, he's uh, from the wrong hemisphere, but in all other ways he's a kiwi he's the lead so he's more of the the brit of <laughs> he's from new zealand or, or isn't, he, isn't he from middle earth yeah yeah is jermaine or brit i thought he was i thought he was a middle earthian yeah okay yeah. so is the legolas of the <laughs> <He's still laughs> <shit>. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well all right well thanks he's if you're, not the peter jackson theologian if you're listening your name is either sarah or dana um <laughs> but if it's not thanks for listening and we'll try to iron this out um, I'm Nick Van Horn, Director of Youth Ministries. I'm Mark Ardrey Graves. And uh, here's something. You're Episcopalian at large. Organist, choir master. College professor. College professor of music. Brewer of beer. Yeah, you are the stuff, Spinner man. Spinner of yarns. And then, um, and then, of course, James. I was going to do like a Kermit the Frog voice and be like, I'm James, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and James, he's a priest of Wake Forest University. So yes. um, we'll get together and do this more often. So thank you for your time. Cheers. Signing off. Cheers.